Well, it is good to be here this morning. That still seems really loud, but we'll make that work. Um, it's good to have you all um, together, and I hope that as we've uh, gathered, even just praying together, sharing our burdens with each other, we can be thankful for God's goodness to us, um, that we have fellowship amongst us, that we can care and pray for each other, and that we can um, come and open God's Word together is truly God's goodness to us. And so it is a, it's a blessing to do this. It's a blessing to be together as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and so I'm, I'm so excited for that. Now we're going to, in just a minute, do something a little bit different. Um, because why not? We'll do something different this time. But uh, we'll talk in just a minute about that. But I wanted to kind of review where we are in the book of 1 Thessalonians and what we discussed even most recently last week. So, uh, obviously we've seen that that most of the first half of 1 Thessalonians is all about Paul's love for and appreciation for what the Thessalonian believers have done, their love for him, their love for the Lord, and and how he has continued to pray for them and consider them and and, uh, be concerned about them, that he sent Timothy to them so that, that they would be able to be, or he would be able to be updated on what is going on. And then in verse, our chapter four, we kind of have a shift, right? We go from the, the thanksgiving and the prayer and all of the kind of recap of the things that have happened with this relationship into actual teaching as Paul is opening up and teaching God's word to them or, or presenting truth to them. And he talks about that we're his desirous of our sanctification that god has called us not for the purpose of impurity but for sanctification and then it talks about the uh the realities of some end time truths you know as we go through and we think about what happens to those who are believers in christ that die and and what's going to happen with them if they somehow less uh opportunity less uh uh hope and what happens with us, and how do we work all those things out? And then we move into chapter 5. And in chapter 5, he, he turns again from as, uh, the end times related to people that have already died, what happens with them, and what happens with the rapture and all of those things, to the day of the Lord. And we said, really, the day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment on unbelievers, And so he says, you know, you already know, we went through and said, well, we may not know. Hopefully after last week, it was helpful to to learn and to know more about what does the day of the Lord mean. So when we realize that that's coming or when we read about that, we know what that is. But we really know that the day of the Lord is God's judgment on sin. It's God's wrath poured out for the sin and the rebellion of ungodly people. And that it's going to come, it's been the day of the Lord throughout the Old Testament. There's been the day of the Lord as it relates to some local things, to the Israelites. And there was things in the Old Testament that talked about this is coming, but it's coming soon. But we know that culminates, that climaxes, that crescendos, whatever word you want to use, in the ultimate day of the Lord that final judgment where God will judge all unbelievers. And so that even while, as verse 3 says, that they're going to say peace and safety and things are going to just continue on like they always have, 
that God is going to bring judgment upon them. And it says at the end of verse 3, in pretty sobering terms, they will not escape. So as we, we consider that, you know, Paul is now going to exhort the believers. And, and as you're familiar with Paul's writing, as you've gone through a lot of Paul's things, as, Paul, as Tom has taught through many of Paul's teachings, you know that when there starts out a verse with but, there's something there that we need to pay attention to, that this is a contrast. And so it says here, as we're going to read through chapter 5, verses 4 through 11, he's going to talk and he's going to say, but you brethren. So he's now saying, okay, these unbelievers, we understand, we know that unbelievers will have a fiery end they will have a judgment that will that day of the lord is for them but you brethren and so now he's speaking to us you brethren are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief so he says first off that you're not you don't need to be worried about the day in the sense of you're going to face this judgment you're not of the darkness that the that the day would take would come uh, overtake you like a thief. Verse 5, Are you all sons of light and sons of day? We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. And so Paul has a lot in there. I mean, really, as you start trying to unpack it, I, I kept saying, okay, there's, there's a lot here, and, and part of it is there's, there's really three different things that, that Paul's teaching here. Paul's teaching in this passage who we are as believers. He states some facts, he makes some claims and says, as a believer, this is true of you. He, he gives us commands, he says, based on those things that are true about you, this is what God says you are to do. This is what God says you are not to do. And then he reminds us of truth that we know that goes beyond what we feel. It goes beyond what we do. It goes beyond what we think. It goes into the reality of what God has said. And so really, as we look through that, I want us to kind of do something a little different. And so we're going to break into groups, okay? And we're going to have a time where y'all are going to work together and I'm going to assign this group here, these two tables. Y'all can get together and turn around there. And I want y'all to look through verses 4 through 11, and you're going to look at who we are. Okay? And all the things that, the, that this passage says that believers are. These two tables here, if y'all can you know, buddy up together, y'all are going to do what are the commands that God gives us for that. And then these two tables here, y'all are going to get together and you're going to say, okay, these are truths that are taught in this passage that we know 
that God has either done or what he has said is true, okay? Now, the deal is, there's no, well, there's maybe some really wrong answers, but I don't think you're going to do, you're not going to fail or, or that kind of thing. You may find some things even that I haven't as you consider it, but really what we want to do is think, these are what God says. And part of it is, as we get into God's word, we should be starting to see those things for ourselves and seeing, okay, this is what God says about me. This is what God has commanded me. This is what I know is true from this passage, and therefore it should impact my life. And so we're going to take like seven minutes. We're going to take for, forever long to do that, just to write it down. We've got those squares in your, in your notes. If you want to fill those in, that's fine. As we go through and share, you can fill in the other notes that the other groups did, and then you've got the whole passage, right? But then we'll break it down, obviously, and dig in a little bit. But I want to kind of prime our minds and get us thinking about these things because I think it's really helpful for us, okay? Any questions on that? Okay, then if y'all will be dismissed, we'll split up for just a few minutes and then we'll get back together, okay? So now we're back together. Let's share what things you observe. So we'll start here um, with the group that Milt's a part of. So in this passage, when it says, you know, what are some things it says that believers are, who we are? And Milt doesn't have to share, but I mean, just y'all's group. So what did y'all see? We are not in darkness. Yeah, absolutely. And we are children of light. Very good. We are awake and sober. Okay. We're encouragers, okay. Yeah, clothes, yeah, we need to, yeah, we have the armor, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have those things, absolutely. Anything else? Encouragers, got that, yeah, good. Absolutely. My sins are forgiven? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Okay, yeah. So great. So they all, y'all did a lot, and, I, and we'll... we'll, we'll talk about that some more, but hopefully you got heard some of their answers. Um, we'll, as we go through this, obviously we'll highlight some of these again, but who we are, guys, as believers, remembering who God says we are as believers is vital. It's so important for us to honor the Lord and to live a life that honors the Lord is to remember who God has made us. You know, we all know it's not that we made it ourselves, right? It wasn't that we, we decided for God and we said, okay, yep, God's the one I choose and I'm going to follow him. It's all a work of God, but because of that, we need to remember what God says we are. So uh, this middle group, what, in this passage, there's some commandments, some, some things we are commanded to either do or not do. So what were some of the things that y'all found? 
We're commanded to be sober. Yes. Be alert. Absolutely. Yeah, to not to not be asleep or unaware. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Put on is not a one-time thing, right? But we're putting on. We're commanded to put that on. Yes. Absolutely. Anything else? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we'll get to that, but one of the other places that that word encouragement is used is in Hebrews when it says that we need to come together, right? Not forsaking the gathering together, but we're, we're, we're encouraged to be a body, right? To meet physically. And obviously we know some people can't meet here because of illness or other issues, but that the, the overwhelming testimony of Scripture is that it is important to be a part of a body of believers to encourage each other, to build each other up, to admonish each other, to correct each other, you know, all those things. So, good. Now, our last group, we had, you know, things that we know, truths that are given to us in this passage. So what were some of the things you, you guys found? Yeah. So there's, you know, what you'll see, and part of what I wanted to do this for is you can see there's a lot of overlap, right? Some of y'all said some of the same things, and that's not a problem because the reality is if we talk about who we are as Christians, it always comes with what we should do, right? We should live like Christians. We should act like Christians. And it's always founded on the truth we know. Right? If we were going to live our lives based on our emotions, 
boy, we would be washed all over the place. But when we are founded on and we set our minds on the things we know that are true from Scripture, then it gives us a consistency, it gives us a strength, it gives us a resolve to do the things we're called to do to live like what God says we are. And so, there, you're, again, there's a lot of ways you could divide out each of these categories. Like I said, I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer unless you say something like, God says live however you want to. Okay, that's not what, what Paul is saying. You know, but what we really, what I want you to think about is this is what God says about us. As he's talking to believers, he is explaining there is just some things that are true about believers that are not true about unbelievers. And there are things that, that God has commanded believers because of the fact that they're believers that he doesn't expect of unbelievers because he doesn't ask unbelievers to, to obey his commands because he knows they can't, right? Their, their mind is set against God. And so really what we're looking at as we go through this passage is, a, is just a beautiful picture of how even knowing and thinking about end times should impact us every day as a believer. That this isn't just some like, oh, it's way out in the future, whatever, but this is based on the truth I know how do I live today? And that's really what I think Paul is trying to help us understand. So we're going to go through this a little bit more uh, chronologically now, uh, but I hope that was a, a helpful little uh, sidestep. Joan, you had something to say? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's as Tom has gone through the first uh, John, right? There's there's tests, you know, the three tests, right? There's one that's do you believe the right doctrine, right? Do you understand the truth of the gospel? Do you understand the truth of salvation? The, then there's the test of obedience. Are you doing those things, right? Are you actually following the commands of God? And then thirdly, is the social test, right? Do you love others? Do you love God? Does, does that a, a, a characteristic of your lives? And so, yeah, it's, it's not okay to say, I believe all the right things, but I just don't like people. <laughs> it's not okay to say, I, I, I know all the scripture and I am a believer. I know the Bible, but I don't like to go to church. Like that's, that's not a good combination. In fact, Paul would say, I think that's, or John would say, that's an impossible combination. And so, yeah, there's always a horizontal aspect to that vertical relationship with, with God. So as we go through, first I want to break down kind of who we are as believers. And if you want the cheat sheet, I'll give you the quick cheat sheet notes, okay? So as believers, we are not in darkness. We are sons of light. 
We are sons of day. We are not of the night. We are not of darkness. We are of the day. And again, for my definitions, I kept it very strictly to just the things it specifically says about who we are, not so much as far as what we do and that kind of thing. So really, as we go through this passage, we see there's an obvious difference of being in the light and being in darkness, being sons of light and being sons of darkness, right? There is a dichotomy or a split there that there's no overlap. Right? As a believer, we are not in darkness, Paul says. And so we, one of the things that we need to understand as we go through this is, as believers, darkness is a part of all of our past, but it is something that we put off and we now live as sons of light. And so you understand that this is throughout Scripture, right? This is not a new concept. Paul just came up with some unique thing. In fact, it was interesting as I went through this, this study that Paul's first call to ministry on the road to Damascus includes this exact concept. So in Acts chapter 26, Paul's recalling and telling his, his testimony for the you know, third or fourth time in the book of Acts, but he's, he's recounting his testimony. And in verses 16 through 18, I, I'm going to cut short because I'd love to read all of it. But here is Jesus speaking to Paul in verse 16. It says, but get up and stand on your feet for this purpose. I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you in verse 18 to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, and they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. And so really, this is Paul's ministry, is to go out and proclaim the, the, the truths of Scripture so that as they are confronted with the gospel, they're confronted with the reality of sin and its consequences, that God might work to turn some from darkness into light. And what I love is it's not from darkness to some darkness to some little bit less darkness and some little bit less darkness and maybe eventually to the light. No, by God's grace, it is from darkness to light. There really are only two options. You are either a son of light or a son of darkness. And Obviously, son means child. We can say that's masculine, but it means all of us, right? We are all either sons of darkness or sons of light. In, first, or in, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Right? That, that there's a transfer that happens. You know, if you ever transfer money in a bank account, you know, you don't get money in both, right? You don't transform it from checking to savings and suddenly there's money in both. No, you, you have now removed it from one and put it into the other. You don't get to have it both ways. And so God has transferred, out of, uh, transferred us out of that domain of darkness and into 
the kingdom of his beloved son, which obviously is equal to the light. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And again, as we go through, understanding who we are, that what God says is true about us as believers is true, should impact how we live. Okay, and, and reality is that if we're not, if our behavior doesn't change over time, we have a problem. Um, Paul, in, in, further in that Ephesians chapter 5 passage, says, uh, verse 11, 5 verse 11, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed to the light, and everything that is, becomes visible is light. For this reason, he says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. What I love is, again, here's Paul using some of these same pictures, right? Asleep and awake, right? Darkness and light. That, that, that these pictures are pictures of who we are as believers and it doesn't just stop with Paul. Again, in 1 John, as Pastor Tom's been teaching through, he says, in writing uh, chapter 2, verse 8, on the other hand, I'm writing to you a new commandment, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is a passing away, and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. The one who abides, or who loves his brother, abides in the light, for there's no cause of stumbling in him. For the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Again, you cannot be sons of light if you hate your brothers. That doesn't coincide. That doesn't work together. So as we go through those, those things that are true about us, and again, Paul speaks it both positively and negatively. We are sons of day. We are sons of light, right? We are not darkness. We are not sons of night. Those things are vital for us to remember and to act on or to live upon. Now, Paul also talks about what believers do, right? Not just what we are, but then what do we do? What is true about the believers as far as how they act? And obviously, we're not saying this is how you get to be a believer. This is simply true as a believer, how you will act. Verse, uh, verses three and, or, sorry, 4 and 5 really are the, the kind of the layout of those things we are over and over again. You are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness, right? Paul set the stage. This is who you are. Verse 6, what does he say? So then, because of this truth, because that is true of you, let us not sleep, right? That is a command. Do not sleep as others do. Let us be sober and alert. And he gives a reason, right? Those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But we are of the day. Let us be sober. Again, he's building this case using these, these contrasts. 
Right? So in this passage, again, we're, we're, in, we're commanded to not sleep. Instead, we're commanded to be alert and sober. Again, we're commanded to be sober. So he says it multiple times, be sober. We're commanded to put on the breastplate of faith and love. We're commanded to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. We're commanded to encourage one another. We're commanded to build up one another. Right? Paul says, if you're a believer, these are the things you do. Right? These are also some things you don't do, but these are the things that you are known by as you go through. And again, this is not something that is uh, new and, and unique in this passage. Paul teaches these same types of truths over and over again. And in Romans chapter 13, Paul says, Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awake from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And again, in that he means salvation like the final, the, the glorification, being with Christ forever, which again is that end times thinking, recognizing that the end times are, are closer now than they were when you became a believer, right? Which is true whether you became a believer yesterday or 50 years ago, right? We are closer today to the end times, the final culmination than we ever were in verse 12, it says, The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave as in the day, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regarding its lusts. Guys, realize that, that as we live our lives, that, that those deeds that we used to do, those deeds that are deeds of darkness, those deeds that are deeds of the sons of night, are not our deeds anymore. That's not how we are to be defined anymore. We are to be doing the things that God has called us to do. And over and over again, Paul and others teach about the reality of because we know this is true, this is how we should live. It should change our behavior. 2 Peter chapter 3 puts it this way in verses 10 through 14. And again, you see, I love these, these same phrases, the same mentality pops through. God obviously wanted us to get this message because he uses the same words over and over and over again. Right? Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. We've just heard that. We've talked about that. In which the heaven will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 14, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless. So we have this picture of knowing that the end is coming, you should live this way. You should live in a way that honors the Lord. Paul, or, uh, Jesus himself talked about that in, in his uh, teaching in Matthew chapter 24. And again, that whole chapter is all about these end times. 
But it says, blessed, in verse 46, blessed is the slave whom his, fine, his master finds doing, or so doing when he comes. He's talking about if there's a, a slave, if there's a son of light, if there's a believer that is doing what God has called him to do when Jesus comes back, there's a blessing there. And there's a, a curse for those that says in verse 48, the evil slave says in his heart, my master's not coming for a long time and begins to beat his fellow slave and eat and drink with drunkards. Again, the idea of drunk versus sober. And it says that the final thing is that he will be cut into pieces and assigned a place with the hypocrites. Again, the reality is Jesus has said, I'm coming back, and there will be blessing for those who have obeyed me. There will be blessing for my children. There will be cursing for those that have rejected me. We are to act as sons of light over and over again. Again, I don't have time to go through every single passage that I found, but it's just an overwhelming uh, litany of passages that teach that. John chapter 12, verses 34, 30, uh, or 35 and 36. Jesus said, For a little while longer the light, capital L, is among you. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke, and he went away and hid himself from them. The reality is, is that we are to be sons of light. That means we are to obey the commands of God. We are told that we need to, to do the things that God has called us to do. And in this case, specifically working on these things related to how we act. Now, it also talks about that we are to put on the breastplate of faith and love. Verse 8 says, since we are of the day, again, the supporting reason why we do what we do is because we are sons of the day. Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, I'm not a super hip person, okay? I don't know all the cool lingo, as my children will point out to me regularly, okay? But there's a phrase that I've heard several times recently that I, thought, I think is funny. It's, it's, I was today years old when I found out something. Have you all heard that? Okay, oh, see, there we go. We got some, some other people that have heard that, right? I was today's years old when I found out that this person met that person in 1932, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I was today years old. I was actually, you know, today, a few days ago, years old, when I realized that the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians is all Old Testament references. Did y'all know that? Am I the only one that just missed that, that, that those capital letters are, are from uh, the Old Testament? If you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, because Paul's talking about putting on the, the, the armor, this is what he says to the Ephesian church in verse 11. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now again, I see it now, but literally I'd never seen it before that those pieces that he's talking about are out of the Old Testament. In fact, this, the specific, the breastplate is out of Isaiah chapter 59. I just thought that was fascinating. Again, I love that I'm learning stuff and going, oh, again, you're all probably looking at me like, what a dope. But I didn't know that. I really didn't. And so I was today years old when I realized that Paul's actually using the Old Testament to build and teach about the armor of God. But the reality is, is that armor is designed to do what? To protect us. Right? If we're going to stand up against the, 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 the darkness and the, the world forces and all those things, if we're going to not be like those that are, that are drunk, if we're not going to be like those in darkness, we need protection. And the protection is understanding faith and love. Understanding righteousness. In Romans chapter 13, Paul says, The night is almost gone and the day is near. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Verse 14, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to his lust. So in that passage, Paul says that putting on the armor of light is the same as putting on Jesus Christ. Guys, recognizing that our righteousness, our faith, comes from Jesus Christ, and we need to pursue Him daily. We need to put that on. Mike's point is it's not a one-time action, right? You don't put on armor and leave it on all the time because it'd be very uncomfortable, you know, in, in real life. But the reality is we have to constantly put that on and recognize that it's Jesus Christ that's working through us to protect us from the things that we might face. Right? We put on the helmet of the hope of salvation, and, and that picture is that we, we think the truth about our salvation so that when the world tells us, hey, you can do whatever you want, and you still can have God, we say, no, 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 that's, that's not what God says. When the, when the world says, there's no, there's no truth, there's no way to know for certain, just do whatever you want to do, because at the end, we'll just figure out, we'll either vaporize or we'll you know, be reincarnated, or who knows, we'll just figure it out as we go. No. We know the hope of our salvation, and we need to think about that. We need to set our minds on those things so that we're not washed here and there like those that don't understand. We have to tell ourselves, Paul, I think Tom just, well, I'm going to admit, I get confused sometimes. Sometimes I listen, obviously I listen to Sunday mornings, but I also listen to his podcast, which is radio uh, sermons from years ago. So right now he's been going through Ephesians chapter 2. 
And I can't remember if I heard it in that or if I heard it in here. But Paul was, was reminding us that when, he, when Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about the reality that we have to preach to ourselves, we have to tell ourselves what to think, not just listen to ourselves. And, and that's so important because, again, if we just listen on the days we don't feel real good, on the days we don't feel like, like doing the right thing, when, when the flesh is, is strong and powerful in our eyes and, and we're thinking, boy, it'd just be so nice to just do this thing. God says, no, you need to put your mind and focus it on the truth that comes from salvation, the truth of your salvation. And so over and over again, we're told to focus our mind to think about the things that are true, not just go through the day feeling things, responding to things. But we need to focus on those things that we know. And so, again, as we're commanded to do those things, put on the breastplate of faith and love, put on the helmet of salvation, to not sleep, to, not, to be sober, to be alert... That comes from understanding the reality of what God has done. Right? That's where in, in get back over here into first Thess five. That's what verse nine says. We're gonna put those things on for because knowing that God has not destined us for wrath. But, have, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, understand that. When we think about the day of the Lord and we, we read through some of those passages and we saw the destruction that is coming, even Peter talks about some of the earthly destruction that will happen. We are not destined for that. God has said, I am not going to give you that wrath. I'm going to give you blessing." I've given you salvation through Jesus Christ, and therefore you're not destined for that wrath. I have a hope that goes beyond that temptation. I have a hope that goes beyond that trial that I'm facing. I recognize that God has something for me. That Jesus Christ died for us, or again, it's a good practice maybe to, to make that personal. Jesus Christ died for you jesus christ died for me so that whether i'm awake or asleep again pointing back to the idea of whether i die now or i'm awake all the way up until jesus comes back and the rapture happens i will live together with him we will live together with him you will live together with jesus christ no matter what Guys, that is what God wants us to understand. He wants us to know and to think about. When the flesh is, is pouncing, when we're feeling weak, when we're discouraged, when we're sick, that we focus our thoughts and our minds on the reality of who God is and what He has done for us. What we know is truth rather than what we feel might be true or what the world says might be true. 
that we are to do this regularly. Elsewhere, Paul in Philippians In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this verse we've, I've used and memorized years and years ago, Rocky used to talk about it as such an important thing, but here's what it says. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise Dwell on these things. It actually means literally, let your mind dwell on these things. And if you want to live a life that honors the Lord, focus your thoughts and your mind on those things that you know are true. What do we know is true? That you're holding in your lap or on your table, right? The Scripture, the Word of God is true. We need to cling to God's Word. We need to study it. We need to remind ourselves constantly that I am what God says I am. I am a believer, and that means I am a son of light. I am not a son of darkness. We need to realize that God has given us commands. He has said, this is what I expect of you. And that I need to obey them. And if I don't obey them or I fail or I've, I don't want to obey them, if, if that's not important to me, that's a concern, right? That's something I need to be worried about. And that I have a hope. I have something to look forward to that is far beyond anything that this world can offer. You know, Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 21, Verse 33, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, right? We know that's not just a statement, that's, that's literal, right? That, that Jesus is speaking the truth there, that the heaven and earth, everything we see will pass away. But he says, but my words will not pass away. Well, if we live our lives focused on the word of God, if we live our lives desiring to obey the things that God has called us to do, if we set our minds on the truth of Scripture and what God says is true about us, then we will be ready for that day. Right? Peter says it, it will change uh, how we approach things. What, what sort of people ought we to be in holiness? We're going to change how we behave because of that truth. And he says, and, I, and thank you, Sarah, for pointing this out, right? That that encouragement is, is, is as a group, right? We can encourage ourselves. If we spend time in God's Word every day, we should be encouraged by it. But one of the things that Paul says, is, says, therefore, encourage one another, right? That this is, this is not just, oh, I've got myself taken care of. I don't really care too much about everybody else. No, we should all be encouraging one another. You know, even as we pray for each other's needs and we know what's going on in our lives, that's such a, a, a blessing. To care and to, to, to pray for one another is, is vital, but that we can encourage one another Remind each other as we struggle with, with illness, we struggle with doubt, right? We don't know what this diagnosis is going to be. We don't know what's causing this pain. We don't know what's going on. Maybe we can be encouraged of the things we do know. 
We know who God is. We know who He has called us to be. We know, ultimately, we will be forever with Him in heaven. And then we can build each other up. Right? The, the, the term is actually the same term in, in Ephesians where it talks about using our words to edify one another. Right? That, that, that we're making sure to encourage and bring truth to each other, not bringing you know, back and forth and complaining about the wrong flavor of bagels that we got this morning or you know, that the, the coffee wasn't as hot as I thought it should be. You know? But the, the, boy, what an encouragement we have in Christ what a fellowship we have, and that we should be building each other up, encouraging each other. And he says, you're already doing it. And you guys, I know you are doing it as well. This is Paul. This is me saying, continue on. Do it. Continue to do it because this is what God has called us to do. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this passage. There's so many truths in there. And Lord, we thank you that as we think about what you have taught us, Lord, we thank you that you have made us sons of light, that we are no longer in the darkness, Lord, that by your goodness, simply because of your grace and your good, loving kindness to us, that you've transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light. Lord, I pray that you would help us remember that to, to commit ourselves to recognize that we are what you say we are. Lord, I pray and, and that you would help us to obey your commandments. Lord, don't let us be asleep. Don't let us get lax. Don't let us be lazy. Don't let us slip back into those deeds of darkness and the things that we used to live in. Help us to obey you, to be sober, to be alert, to recognize that your coming doesn't mean that we're okay and so nothing matters. No, your coming means I want to be pleasing you right up to the moment I see you face to face. Help us put on the, the armor on a daily basis. Help us think the thoughts that help us know the truth. Lord, help us to focus on you so that we're not washed everywhere to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every uh, thing that the world has to offer. And Lord, help us remember the truth that you died for us, that you, we will live forever again with you, that you have not destined us for, us for wrath, but you have destined us for salvation. We thank you so much for that. Lord, help us to encourage one another, to build up one another with these truths to make sure that we are growing together as we grow closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.